Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. How are you today? I am doing well, Chris. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. This is a, a different topic. A lot we've we've been talking about NSC and obviously spring. But I, when this came across uh, our feed, I, I, I really wanted to jump on it because I've ran into this, obviously being from Florida, and that sand colic in horses. Have, have you run across that before Where, in your neck of the woods up there in the Midwest? It's definitely less common here. Um, certainly, like especially when you look at the research, there's a strong regional bias on where you see sand colics. Florida would definitely be one along the coast. Although you sent me a super fun stat that I did not know, um, and it, it makes sense, but uh, the amount of the U.S. that is sandy is about 8%. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely a regional bias, but it can exist in different places. Where I live, we have soul-sucking clay, not sand, but there are definitely sandy places outside Florida and the coast as well. Yeah, no, I was, yeah, I was really surprised at that stat. 8% of the U.S. Uh, Michigan, I mean, Minnesota, because I know that's where you did your your PhD mm-hmm. up in that area. I mean, Utah, the desert regions, obviously, in California, but in Texas, a lot of sand down there. But yeah, Florida is just one big sand bank. So obviously, we dealt with this a lot. But just to kick this off, because sand colic can affect any horse anywhere. A, a general overview of colic. It, it, I, I, I'm sure almost every listener on here knows colic, but maybe some of the newer ones don't. And we all have to start somewhere. So why do we care about colic and what is it? Mm. Yeah, colic is very scary as a horse owner. Worst nightmare. Number one cause of death in horses outside of age. Colic, though, is a general term, which is something in the digestive tract hurts. So, you know, the physical symptoms of colic are very vague in the sense that it could be any part of their digestive tract. In fact, sometimes other things um, cause those same symptoms, but essentially it means that something hurts or is in dysfunction in the digestive tract of the horse, and we call it this umbrella term, colic. And then sand colic would be one subset of colic. There are many, many different types and causes of colic, and sand colic is one of those. Yeah, and if if you've seen a horse with colic, you know, <laughs> you know, it, it sticks with you. Uh, you know, I can still all the colic cases that I've I've dealt with in my career, and you always go back to that. The horse is in so much stress, but I do want people to feel good that most colic cases with medical intervention. Uh, are, are fine. They're resolved right there on the farm or under the vet care. And so if you do suspect colic, always contact your veterinarian immediately. And I remember I even got a, an email a long time ago from someone who took an online course that I put together and she recognized the signs of colic. And she said, because of your course, you saved my horse. Oh, you know, and awesome. I just, yeah, I, I, it sticks with me because, you know, it, 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 it is such a serious problem with horses. And you know, up to 30% of all cases of colic in these sandy regions can be sand colic. So can we just kind of talk about what sand colic is? Yeah. So essentially what happens is over time, horses in these sandy areas, if they are eating on the ground or grazing their pastures really low, they're just naturally going to pick up some sand along the way. 
And because sand is a heavy particle, it's going to move through the digestive tract. And when it gets to the hindgut, so the large colon of the horse where we have all that fermentation of fiber, that's a really big space. And it'll settle into the bottom of the hindgut and just kind of sit there and accumulate over time. And like a little bit of sand is probably no big deal, right? Like there's horses who live in these places that will have a little bit of sand in their digestive tract for their whole lives and be absolutely fine. But as it accumulates, it can actually cause some problems and different problems depending on the amount, depending on the individual horse, maybe underlying conditions as well. You know, one common thing you might see with sand colic are chronic diarrheas because that sand, think about walking down the beach. It kind of like grates on your feet a little bit. It's abrasive. Well, when it sits in the hindgut of the horse, it's abrasive to the lining of that hindgut, which just makes things unhappy. So we make them unhappy. You can see these chronic diarrheas. As the amount of sand accumulate, you know, additional issues you can see can cause an impaction in the hindgut, um, where we, you know, it, it's a pretty big space, but there's actually a part that narrows and turns called the pelvic flexure. So that that sand accumulates enough, you can have an obstruction and impaction there. Also, it, the interesting thing you see is that horses who have sand accumulation in their hindgut are at higher risk of a displacement or a large colon volvulus, a twist. And those happen when there's an inappropriate amount of gas that's accumulated in the hindgut. Which suggests it goes back to like, uh, it just made them uncomfortable and irritating back there, which threw things off. And they have a lot of gas, which either causes like the colon to float up and get stuck in the wrong spot or to twist. Both of those, a displacement or a twist, those are, you know, very dangerous colics. Often, you know, they need to be fixed. A twist for sure. Oftentimes a displacement has to be fixed surgically. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and then in looking at some of the um, the surgical data and some of the studies out there, uh, you know, some we want to avoid. Colic surgeries are, are quite expensive, and depending on the type of colic, uh, you know, fifty percent are euthanized. Other types of surgery, as long as they make it through surgery, I, I, the most of the data I've seen, ninety percent go on to to be just fine and survive. But, anyways, that's I guess that's a different discussion. It's yeah. just you're you're looking, yeah. The numbers are lower than only 65% survive to discharge. Yeah. And then yep. 65% return to their previous level of work. Yeah. No, it, 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 it's serious. I mean, colic is a big, serious problem. Now, we, we briefly taught, touched upon it, how these horses get sand colic eating on the ground. What are some of the, the contributing factors of, of accumulating a lot of sand? A big one is going to be feeding your concentrate on the ground in a sandy area. So you're feeding your grain and what happens, like the horse spills it and they're like nibbling around looking for those individual pellets and they're consuming a lot of sand as they do that. You can also see this feeding hay just on sand as well. I'd say concentrate is probably your biggest risk. Then hay, particularly if you have like those like real aggressive eaters who are like, I'm going to get every scrap of hay. Uh now, that's, you know, a main driver. But the other one we see it as well, and I don't know that people think about it as much as when they're out on pasture, normally, you know, perfect management, we don't want to let that grass get grazed down really low. 
Um, so for like the health of the grass, it depends a little bit on the variety, but you'd like to pull the horses off of a pasture and let it rest and not let the grass get below four to six inches tall. That's for the health of the grass, the productivity of your pasture. But the other component to that in a sandy area is if we let them graze it really close, so get much lower, horses are aggressive grazers. They grab grass with their teeth and yank it. And when they're grazing really close to the ground, they're also going to consume sand as they're trying to get like the last little, little nibbles of grass up. So, you know, pasture maintenance and rotation can be another contributor to the accumulation of sand if we're letting our pastures get grazed really, really low. Oh, yeah, that's all. That's very true. It's very true. Now, now if I'm in an area with sandy soils, I, th- I think that's what the first thing ever, anybody should do is is go out and look at their soil and see, okay, is it kind of sandy or gritty? But what are some other ways that, you know, I could tell if my horse is ingesting sand because it's, it's not always easy, right? Yeah. So the nice thing is there is one very easy test that you can do, um, which is actually taking a sample of your horse's manure ideally before it falls on the ground because you don't want any other accumulation of debris sticking to it. But you put it in water, shake it up, make it, you know, all dispersed and give it a little time and the sand will actually settle to the bottom. So that's kind of a quick and dirty way to see, is there sand in my horse's digestive tract? And it, you know, it's one of those tests that lets us see comparatively there's no like oh there's four grams of sand versus a hundred grams of sand i have a problem type number but it does let us quick and dirty see like is there a lot of sand in this horse's digestive tract so that's a pretty cool way like that you as a horse owner could just go do today liquefy the poop see if the sand sand settles out um it was something that your vet would look at and not necessarily like on a just cause basis. This is more a horse is presenting with colic-like symptoms. And if you're in an area that sand colics are really frequent, probably one of the things that's just going to be relatively standard to your vet's evaluation of your horse is going to be listening with a stethoscope to their hindgut because it makes a very specific noise in the hindgut. Um, that they can hear. So some cases of sand colic can be diagnosed by your vet with just a stethoscope, which I think is actually super cool. In a more high-tech way, and like the way, you know, a lot of times you see in some of the research studies is you can actually do an abdominal radiograph and image the hindgut to see if there's sand accumulation there. Not something that's going to be done in the field, but like in a hospital setting, they would have big enough and strong enough machines to be able to actually look inside in that way to see if there's sand accumulating in the hindgut of the horse. Again, your horse probably is there because it's having a colic episode, or maybe it's a horse who has chronic low-level colic episodes that you want to take in and rule that out as a possibility, particularly if you're in an area that is very sandy. Yeah, I've got to love our veterinarians and, and take care of them and thank them for what they do. A lot of hours, seven days a week. And 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 they develop that that ear to hear that. That's, yeah, yeah, always appreciate them. Now, switching gears, how do we prevent all this, Nicole? Like, it's it, it's a constant battle. I it, It's so funny. Like, I don't know why. I, when I, I lived in Alabama for a little while, the red clay, you couldn't get it out of your car. Florida. <laughs> 
I couldn't get sand out of my out of my truck. I just couldn't. It was always there. It was always present. But how, what are some of the steps we can take if we live in these areas like Florida or parts of Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nebraska, Utah? I'm on sandy soils. How can I limit intake? Mm, yeah. So definitely prevention is the goal here. Even an expectation that like they're probably not going to ingest zero sand. But that's so that's okay, right? Like their horses, they're going to consume a little bit and be fine. It's them consuming a lot of sand um, or sand that builds up over long periods of time where we start to see these chronic issues. So I, I don't say this in a sense like we have to bubble wrap them, right? They need to live as horses. But there are things we can do to minimize their intake. So biggest one by far, not feeding concentrate in an area where it is going to get dumped on the ground and they'll be picking through the sand in order to get every little pellet. That could look like bringing horses in and feeding them in a stall. Not everyone has that set up and that's okay. So you will see things, um, for example, like mats put down on the edges of paddocks or wherever you're feeding outside and you're feeding your grain in some sort of pan, but it's on a mat. So when they inevitably tip it over, it's not on the ground. Another option could be feed bags. So we talked about this in our group feeding podcast that one way to prevent horses from stealing each other's grain is to actually put it's a halter with a little bag that goes over their nose and you put their individual portion in that bag. The other thing it works great for is really limiting sand intake because they can't spill the feed. It is mm -hmm. attached to their face. And, and most horses tolerate that extremely well takes a little bit of training, but once they know like, oh, my grain is in that weird halter, they're shoving their face right in it. So that is a great option to limit sand ingestion. Same thing if we're supplementing hay, not feeding it on the ground in the sandy area. And that could look like different things that could look like moving it around so that it's not fed in the same place that gets really worn down. So we'll say it's winter, your grass is dormant, if you move it around, you're less likely to really beat it up and have bare patches of dirt where horses are consuming their hay. It might look like using some sort of hay feeder that keeps hay off the ground. Those are definite options. And then, of course, as I mentioned, a big one is your pasture management. Because if you're overgrazing your pastures, there's nothing else you can do to prevent sand intake if your pastures are grazed down super, super close. So that means resting the pasture, stocking them appropriately so that they don't get grazed down really low. But that's going to go a long way towards limiting sand intake in horses that are turned out on pasture. That's good. All solid, solid advice. Absolutely. And, you know, good clean water always helps. I am interested in, in your opinion and learned knowledge with psyllium. So sand clear was one that a product I saw used quite often. Uh, there's a lot of products on the market that are based in the psyllium uh, sand clearance product and pre and probiotics is, is the research. So if you go in and look at the, the research data, they're looking a lot at this, the effectiveness of these products. From your standpoint, again, equine nutritionist, PhD, science, learned backgrounds, you know, looking at this, critically evaluating uh, these products. What do you say uh, to ah, owners? Yeah. yeah. Can't hurt. <laughs> so a lot of times if you live in one of these areas, you will probably be on some sort of like preventative maintenance schedule, like X number of days per month. I give a psyllium based product 
to try to clear my horse's digestive tract of low levels of sand before it accumulates in a meaningful way. And the way psyllium is hypothesized to work is that it is it is actually technically a prebiotic, like the horse is not digesting it, um, but it turns into a gel-like substance as it moves through the digestive tract. And the idea is that gumminess, that gel, will pick up sand because that sand is really heavy. It's settled. It'll pick it up and it'll help move it through the digestive tract and out through the manure so it's not accumulating in their hindgut over time. Looking at the data. Okay, so the idea, fantastic. The data, a little bit spotty. Now, the good news is like there's no risk to doing this. You know, there's there haven't been any, you know, adverse health effects reported as a result of feeding psyllium. The challenge is when you look at the data, largely the studies that are using the quantities that we would use in some of those like commercial top dress type products, they're very tiny. And those small amounts don't seem to really be moving much sand, if any, out of the horse. That's largely what the body of research shows. Now, there are absolutely clinical applications where you bring a horse in who actively has a lot of sand accumulated. Your vet tubes a ton of psyllium into that horse, along with some other ingredients, and helps move it along. Um, but what's debatable is whether or not like these maintenance-type programs are enough psyllium to really do the job. Now, again, the good news is it's not going to hurt. Um, so I would say if it's, you know, something that's been recommended to you helps with your comfort level, maybe it is moving a little bit of that sand out. I just would caution you that you don't have a false sense of security that, oh, I'm clearing sand out every month with the four or eight ounces, whatever that I'm feeding of some sort of top dress product and ignore all of the management strategies that limit intake of sand. So I would think about any of these psyllium type products as extra insurance, but I certainly would not feel comfortable relying on that as my sole intervention to prevent sand colic in an area that is very sandy. So I would personally focus on those management techniques to limit sand intake. And then if I wanted to feed psyllium, that is just the icing on the cake. It is not our main strategy to prevent this. No, that's, yeah, that's a perfect summary of, of what I would use to, to tell owners and what an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. It's, we don't want that sand there in the first place, but you can add this on top of it. And, and I always say, when in doubt, talk to your veterinarian, you know, ask them what types of colics they're seeing. You know, if you if you're confused or you need some more advice and and how can you better prevent it? So always speak with them uh, because they're out in your area and and they know uh, what other horse owners around you are experiencing. Any final tips on this, Nicole? I think we have pretty well covered yeah. it this week. Good, if yeah. if you as listeners have questions, though, please reach out. You know, we are we're happy to answer those. If you've thought of something that we didn't cover today, we can always do an amendment. Yeah, no, and and please send in those requests. That's all I'm going to end with today is go on Facebook, go on Instagram or contact us, email in, send in your requests on topics that you want us to address and we will add them to the list because we're looking out in the next few months and we're looking to fill that schedule. So please do that. Anyways, great job, Nicole, today. I, I've, I was fascinated by Kala because obviously it's something that affects all of us. We've, we, you've been around horses long enough. You're going to deal with it. 
and hopefully this helps some horses. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much, Chris.